You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm going to be getting into the message and I've entitled this message, Love is Greater Than Fear. Love is Greater Than Fear. We are living in unprecedented times. Uh, we are going through an event, a once-in-a-century uh, type of event uh, currently that's going on in the world and in our country in terms of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And because it is something that we have not seen in our generation, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of confusion. And so what do we do when there's confusion and uncertainty? What do we do when we don't have the answers? And what do we do when those answers or the lack of those answers is causing us to panic? See, fear is a powerful force. Fear is a powerful force. Fear will make us do things that we have not considered doing before. And if we are not careful, uh, we will allow fear to grip our hearts. It is so important that we do not allow ourselves to be consumed by fear because fear will make us do irrational things. Just this week and actually all over the world, we have seen how fear infuses people and they're going to panic mode they're actually they're going to survival mode and isolation mode. And we've seen that in, in, the, in the shelves being emptied out because people are stockpiling their food. We've seen, uh, we haven't had hand sanitizer for weeks. Uh, alcohol, uh, that, that, the, the, the component that's used, uh, to produce hand sanitizer is just, uh, gone out of stock. And so we can look at these things and we can look at them as uncertainty and we can make a choice as to whether we are going to allow ourselves to function in fear and go going to panic or we are going to choose a different path. Fear is the result of no hope. It is, it is the response of when we look at things and we don't see a good result at the end. When we look at a situation, when we look at something, a tragedy, we don't see the end result, you know, prover- the proverbial no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And so what happens is when we don't see a way forward, when we don't see a way out, what do we instinctively do? We turn into our fear response. And the fear response causes us to look inward. It causes us to look at, uh, at isolation. It causes us to function in a place of self preservation that it's about me and containing myself so that I can survive but I want to encourage you this morning that you might be in fear you might be going through uh, a time of panic possibly but I want to encourage you this morning and tell you the antidote to panic is faith the anecdote to panic is hope the anecdote to panic is hope Psalm 6 verse 19, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, says, Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. So the word here is telling us that we have a hope that is a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls. 
What is an anchor? What does an anchor do? An anchor keeps a ship stable in the midst of changing, uh, changing seas, changing wind. You see, if a ship is at a harbor and it's not anchored, even the slightest wind will can, can take it far out, out of the harbor and into the seas. And so what the word is telling us here is that hope, hope, hope for a better future, hope for a better outcome is the very thing that, that, that stabilizes. It is the very thing that anchors us in place. It is the thing that, that makes us uh, stable, that we are not running around and panicking or living in a, in a constant uh, place of anxiety and fear. But hope is the very thing that anchors us. And the word here says it, it, um, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps upon it, it is a hope. It reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Like a ship anchored in a storm, hope anchors us in our storms. Like a ship that is anchored in a storm and with a changing wind, hope anchors us during the times of our storm. And right now, as, as humanity, as, as people, as a church, the, what we are being exposed to is not something that is concentrated to one area that, that will not affect us. The coronavirus and the pandemic is something that will affect everybody. And so in the storms of this present season of our lives, what do we do? We need to choose hope. We need to uh, make a decision to rest upon the hope of, of Jesus Christ, the, to rest upon the hope of God and allow that hope to anchor us deep down so that even if the winds of, of the changing of the season or the place that we are in right now decides to blow against us, we have an anchor within our soul. We have an anchor. The word soul refers to our emotions, our intellect. Uh, and so hope is the very thing that is the anecdote or the antidote rather to, to panic. It is the antidote to anxiety. It is the antidote to fear. Hope is the antidote to our anxiety. So what is this hope that I'm talking about? What is this hope? Psalm 42, 11 says, and I'm reading from the NRV version, it says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You see, we need to understand that our hope has to be anchored in something. It has to be anchored in something. And so the greatest hope that we can anchor ourselves in is in God. Now, just note there that I didn't say our belief in God. I didn't say our belief in God. It says our hope in God is, is, is the anchor that we are to have. And so in times where our souls are downcast, uh, the soul, which is the, our emotions and our intellect, the place of our being that, that is the root of emotion like anxiety and, and fear and panic. What the word is saying is that we are to put our hope in God and that is the very thing that will anchor our soul. And so we, we can already see when we start looking at how we interact and how we are, how we function day to day in the midst of crisis, what we are leaning towards. Are we leaning towards anxiety? Are we leaning towards fear? Are we leaning towards self-preservation? Are we leaning towards hope? Are we leaning towards faith, which is the very thing that will anchor us 
in these times. We always say that we need to have a sober-minded uh, way of looking at things. We need to be tempered. So we can't uh, have uh, one extreme or the other. We can't go into the extreme of uh, uh, saying extreme faith where we're talking, well, we're just going to run into, into any place uh, because we have faith and hope in God. But we're also not going to retreat to the place where we sit in a corner and try to uh, isolate ourselves because we are too scared or too afraid of what might happen. We must have a tempered and sober approach to everything. Because even the word says, do not go out and test God. So we're not going to go out and, 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 and put ourselves in positions where we might put ourselves in danger or others in danger. Right. Uh, because we understand that that the God still protects us. But however, we also don't want to be in a place where we're living out of fear. So we must have a balance. Anything taken to its extreme will becomes a weakness. Anything taken to its extreme becomes weakness. And so our anchor must be in our hope in God. See, we, I didn't say that our belief in God. Because many people believe in God, but are not anchored in Him. Many people believe in God, but are not anchored in Him. And this is the reason why people move into fear, because there's nothing to hope for. Even though they believe in God, they don't have hope in Him. And so they move into fear because there's nothing to hope for. Either they don't believe uh, God is there at all, or they don't believe that God is there for them. And so we have two kinds of people most of the time that, are, that, that will lend into the, into the space of fear and panic is that uh, either they don't believe in God at all or they don't believe that God is there for them. And both are not true. Both are wrong. Both are incorrect ways of looking at God. And so when we look at Mark 4, 35 to 40, we see the account of Jesus calming the storm. And it reads as follows, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so we see this account of the disciples and Jesus in a boat in the midst of a storm. Jesus says to him, let's go on to the other side. The disciples follow him. They get into the boat and everyone's in the boat. And then all of a sudden, there's a storm. And the storm is so violent that the disciples think that they're about to drown and die. And so they go into the hull of the ship. They wake up Jesus and they say to him, hey man, don't you see that there is a storm? And do you not care that we drown? He looks at them, looks at the storm, quietens the storm and looks back at them and said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? And so I used to look at this account as uh, Jesus being upset with the disciples and rebuking them because of their inability to quieten the storm until I realized and re-looked at it and said, well, hold on. They didn't even have the gifts of the Spirit to calm the storm down because Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. And I reread it and re-looked at it and I saw that he was actually responding to a question. The disciples asked him, do you not care? And he says to them, why are you afraid? 
do you have no faith? And so I've looked at it and I've, I've made the decision to look at this account as to saying that Jesus actually asking them, why do you not have faith in who I am and have faith in who and my love for you and have faith in the fact that I will protect you and guide you in the midst of the storm because I'm with you in the storm. My silence does not equal my absence. My silence, God's silence, does not equal His absence. And so even though Jesus was silent in the boat, He was not absent. He was right there with them. And so we see that Jesus really was looking at them and saying to them, Your faith needs to be in my love for you and not in the, my hands on the way that I express my love. Because oftentimes we have faith in the way that God expresses His love. So He protects us. That's an expression of His love. He heals us. That is an expression of His love. He provides for us. That is an expression of His love. And so if we will always look at the expression of His love as the sign that God, that God is there, we will miss uh, or, or we, will, we will put our faith and, and hope in the wrong thing. That we need to put our faith in the fact that God loves us and that the fact that He loves us, He expresses that love through those things. And so God is not saying to us, have faith for, for your healing, have faith for your provision, have faith for your, uh, uh, your, 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 your protection, but rather have faith in my love. And that love is expressed in the fact that I do provide for you, do heal you, and do protect you. The ultimate cure to fear is love. The ultimate cure to fear is love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect love drives out fear. The ultimate cure to overcoming fear and panic is knowing that God loves us with a perfect love. If I know He loves me regardless of what I'm going through, that it doesn't matter where I've been, what I've done, how many mistakes I've made, and no matter how many times I've missed the mark, He loves me with a perfect love. And if, he, if His love is not conditional on what I do, it is not conditional on what I've done, it is not conditional on working out my love and showing Him my love, I can then have no fear because perfect love drives out fear. And if fear is being driven out, I can put my hope in Him, which is then the anchor for my soul, which then drives out anxiety and drives out panic. His love is not conditional on my performance or your performance. But it is conditional on the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. That Jesus on the cross paid the ultimate payment and the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can have a relationship with God. You see, because before Jesus, we were separated from Him through the virtue of us being sin and missing a mark. Every time we've fallen short of the, of the ultimate uh, mark of Christ, we have sinned in essence is what the Word says. But Jesus came and He took on the payment. He was the substitute for us. 
And when he, when, he, when he was hung on the cross, he was the substitute for us. Where we missed the mark, where we were unrighteous. Jesus said, I am perfectly righteous. And so on the cross, I will take upon your unrighteousness and I will give you mine righteousness. So that you can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that you can come into the presence of God with boldness, knowing that you're accepted by him. That you don't have to work for his approval, but you live from the approval of God. And so that hope, that is the perfect love that I have. That is the perfect love that I will ever experience. Knowing that God is not looking at me and judging me based on my performance. Whether He loves me or not. But He's looking at me and, and, and He's seeing me through the lens of Jesus. And through the work of, of the cross. And really through the lens of Jesus' blood. Because that was the ultimate sacrifice. God loved, so loved the world that He gave His only Son. His love was expressed in the ultimate gift of Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I, have, a, I have a three-year-old, soon-to-be four-year-old son. And I love people. But I don't know how, how prepared I would be to give up my only son for them. Even though they were good people. Even more so if they were not good people. I, I probably will not do that. But God looks, look, looked at you and I. And for the joy that was set before Him, Jesus said He endured the cross. That He saw, when He hung on the cross, He saw you and I as the future recipients of that salvation. That God loved us so much that even in the midst of us, of not knowing Him, even in the midst of us cursing Him, even in the midst of laughing at Him, God said, I love you with a perfect love and I love you so much that I will still send Jesus to die for you a thousand times. That's how much God loves you and I. And so when I come to understand that God loves me and does not want to punish me, I can then have, be secure in His love for me. And that, bring, that causes hope to rise up and hope uh, anchors my soul. And when my soul is anchored, I can live out of a place of faith in God's love and not out of fear of His punishment. Romans 8, 37-39 says, Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through Him who loves us. In all these things we are more than conquerors through His love. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that beyond doubt I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impeding and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, neither height nor depth, no, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul is writing to us and saying to us, listen, there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And he goes on to list all these things, neither the calamities, nothing impeding, nothing threatening us, neither in this age or the age to come. And he says, nothing else in all creation, as if that list wasn't all inclusive. He says, nothing in all creation. Absolutely nothing in all of creation, nothing that ever God has ever created or will create will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, and he begins this, this uh, portion of scripture. He says, look, here's the thing. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers and we will conquer and overcome anything that is faced beyond us. Why? Because we have a surpassing victory through Him who 
loves us. Our victory is founded in the fact that God loves us. It is the love of God, the perfect love of God that casts out fear. You see, we cannot look at uh, calamity. We cannot look at challenges and look within ourselves because our ability to overcome is, 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 is not enough. Our ability to overcome through God is only through the fact that we know that He loves us. So our victory, the surpassing victory, this overcoming victory that we have in Christ is founded on the fact in verse 37, the fact that He loves us and that nothing can separate us from His love. This is the thing we must focus on. This is the thing that we need to anchor ourselves in and, and create and have as the foundation of our lives, especially in times like this, especially in, in calamity, especially in, in worry, especially when the storms of life hit. Jesus said, when, when the storms come, not if, when the storms come, make sure that you have founded your house, you built your house. He was talking about our lives on the rock, not on the sand. Make sure that when tragedy strikes that your foundation is deep enough and strong enough to sustain you in the midst of confusion while everyone is panicking make sure that your soul is anchored in my love now i'm not saying for one moment that we do not see what is happening around us we are not oblivious to the facts we are not oblivious we don't walk around and say corona what corona we, David didn't go out and look at Goliath and said, what Goliath? He didn't turn around to the army and said, what are you guys going on about? There's nobody here. He looked at Goliath and said, yes, I do see Goliath, but I also see my God. And Goliath, your head is coming down. And so when we look at that, when we look at that picture, we don't look, walk around oblivious to the things that are happening around us. But here's the thing. Faith is not the denial of facts. Faith is not the denial of facts. When I have faith in God, I'm not denying the facts. What I am denying is the facts' ability to influence my view of God's love for me. And if I, and if I can keep that tempered approach to everything that I do, I will find that I'm far more anchored, I'm far more stable, I'm far more secure in the way that I treat things and the way that I, that I handle myself. So we don't go out and we don't we don't run into into uh, uh, intensive and quarantined areas of the hospital because we have faith. We don't do that, but we also don't hide in the corner uh, as a way in, in in fear of what 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 might happen. We have a tempered approach. We believe that God will protect us, that it that we will not put God to the test by saying I have faith and then I'm going to go out into the quarantine area because God will protect me. God says, no, don't test me in that way. But also God says, I will protect you from things and calamity that is out of your control. And so Corona is out of our control. I don't have control over whether I get it or don't. I can put certain aspects in and certain precautions in, but I don't have absolute control over it. What I do have control over is what I put my faith in and I choose to put my faith in God's love. And so in this time, I want to encourage you to put your faith in God. Put your trust in God. Oh, why downcast all my soul? Put your faith in God. And so there's a couple of ways I want to encourage you uh, to do some practical things in this time that will help you mitigate this, uh, this time of uncertainty. Firstly, I want you to focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. In Him we live move and have our being. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Those are all scriptures. 
that you, He's the author and the finisher of your faith. That in Him you live, you move and have your being. That our lives are hidden with Christ in God. God's love was demonstrated in the fact that He sent Jesus to die for you and I. There is no greater expression of God's love than the fact that Jesus died for you and me. That He was the substitute for our sin. He was the substitute for unrighteousness. That is why we can come to God. The Bible says, come to God with boldness. Enter His throne room of grace with boldness, knowing that you are accepted in the Beloved. Enter the throne room of grace where you find, might find help in time of need. This is a time of need. You might find might need help with your anxiety or your fear. Enter into the presence of God. Focus on Jesus. This is the time to draw closer to Him, not draw further away from Him. This is the time to run to Him and not run away from Him. See, it is because of Jesus that we can come to God any time we want to. Whether it's, whether it's in a church service, uh, a live traditional church service, whether it's online, we can come to God any time we want to. And so we must focus on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus and the, and the perfect uh, uh, act and the perfect uh, expression of love that was shown on the cross, we then start to focus on God's love. The second thing I'd like you to do and focus on is word and prayer. Word and prayer. God's word is alive and it's active. I believe that often we underestimate the effect of God's word has on our lives. Why? Because what we most of the time we want uh, God to do is be, be spectacular in every single area of our lives. My pastor, the pastor that trained me in ministry and, and, and uh, what I regard as my spiritual mentor and father, he often used to say, Bishop Derek often used to say, God's work and God's hand and the way he functions is not always spectacular, but it is always most definitely supernatural. You see, God's word is alive and active. He says, I stand behind my word to perform it. My word goes out and accomplishes the very thing that it sets out to do. And so I want you to, to encourage you to get into God's Word. Get into prayer. Make it a very specific and very focused time uh, uh, time uh, during, during this time. Don't view Sunday mornings because you can't go to a church service, live church service as, as the time, time off and go for brunch. That's, that's the whole wrong way of looking at it. Rather look at it as, as an opportunity to be far more intentional and focused with your walk with God. And encourage your children to do the same. Focus on God's word and speak the word over, over, over yourself. You see, faith, faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The more that we're in, in the word of God, the more we're hearing the word of God, the more our faith will rise up. The more our faith will be in, in God's love will rise up and the more we will be secure in who he is and who he is in our lives. Read scripture and speak it over yourself. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over your family. Speak it over your church. If you're a member of our church, New Season Church, I encourage you to, in your prayer time, speak words of life over, over the church and over the leadership. Speak words of life. The Word is alive and active. In John, it speaks about the Word became flesh. What we speak has 
uh, has a profound effect on how we experience the world around us. I want, to, I want you to speak words of protection, words of health. The Bible says, you know, if you start to feel low, you know, you, you, sometimes you can have a cough and all of a sudden anxiety wants to grip your heart and fear wants to grip your heart. You have to make a decision right there and say, no, I will not believe that. I will believe the report of the Lord and I declare right now in the name of Jesus that by His stripes I have been healed. Now, obviously, if your symptoms, symptoms persist, then take the necessary measures if you need to uh, uh, get tested and all of those things. But don't allow a, a cough or touching a service in a public area to cause you to come into a state of panic and fear. Because the perfect love costs out fear. Third thing I encourage you to do is to create an atmosphere of worship. Create an atmosphere of worship. You see, I encourage you to create an atmosphere of worship in your home, at your workplace, while you're commuting, wherever you might be, make sure that you're creating an atmosphere of worship. Why? Because the Word says that it is the perfect love of God that casts out fear. It is the perfect love of God that casts out fear. And where, there's, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so when we create an atmosphere of worship, what we are doing is we're calling upon the name of the Lord. And we're calling upon the Spirit of the Lord. And we are focusing, we're setting our sights on the Spirit of God where there's liberty. And where there's liberty, there is perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear. And so we, we can release the bondage of panic and anxiety by creating an atmosphere of worship. And so for some of you, that will be different. I know just in this week, uh, following all the news reports, I got to a place where I was allowing anxiety to, to grip my heart. So I switched on, switched on music or switched on uh, worship music. And within a few minutes, that anxiety was leaving me. Why? Because the, 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 we have not been given a spirit of fear, the word says, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. That's in Second Timothy. We have not been given a, uh, the spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love, and one of a sound mind. And so the, the anxiety has no right, is not of the Spirit. And so when we get into atmosphere of worship and we're calling upon the Spirit of God, anxiety is no place there. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and anxiety. It has no place and cannot grip our hearts. I want to encourage you to take uh, those things and focus yourself uh, and focus on those things in this time. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you this morning. This will pass. These things will pass. This too shall pass. And if we keep our eyes fixed on Him, we will emerge out of the stronger and more united. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Make sure that you are aware of what's happening, that you're alert, but you're not allowing yourself to be over alarm. Don't allow yourself to get into a place of panic and fear. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.